0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Called, we understand you were in the bathroom. And then uh, we called you last week and we understood that we were bill collectors. So uh, I was very shocked when you called us back today. And uh, I am just uh, pleased as punch that we can finally make this interview possible. So uh, Stan Wiselater with us today. He is in Vegas or he's in Florida, whichever. He's with us today. And uh, several weeks uh, ago, Stan guested with us and told us in the audience just a little bit about the Dogs of Brownsville, which he's now plugging in a big way with sights on a movie. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the Dogs of Brownsville, Stan. Stan, can you hear us? Stan Wise later. are you there? Okay, I guess we've we'll lost Stan later here. <laughs> So we'll go back to commercials. You owe Ten thousand dollars or more to the IRS, and you cannot afford to make payments to the IRS. You may qualify for the CNC tax program. This is a new program, and if you qualify, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Once you're accepted into this program, the IRS is forced to stop. Stand, the- Wise later back. back with us. Now? Yes, I've got you. Tell us about the dogs of Brownsville, Stan. Tell us all about it.
1: Okay, like I was starting to say, right now I am in the process of reviewing or proofing the final, final, final manuscript. And it should be able to, it should come out, like, I would say, in about a week or two at the most. Fantastic. And then people could go and get it and really read it and have a great time reading it. What is it about? Yes. Well, it's a true story. Everything in it happened. And it's all true. Except for the parts I made up, of course. But basically, it's all true. And it covers a 50-year span. Starting out in the slums of Brooklyn. And it's about a handful of guys and girls that make it to Las Vegas. Way, way, way back. And they get to Vegas in time. To either participate in or watch how the changing of the guard was taking place between the mob to Howard Hughes to corporate America covering a period roughly of about 50 years and it has everything in it that you would expect in a novel everything from crime to sex to gambling you name it, it's all in there, (laughs) everything that you want That's good or bad about people. And like I said, everything in it happened.
0: Fantastic. Not in
1: the same sequence that I show it, but it did happen. And most of my characters are composites of two or three or four different people that actually lived.
0: We have got a great guest with us today. Stan Wiselieter is with us. The Dogs of Brownsville. And he's with us today here on the telephone, talking to us a little bit about this book. Um, First of all, tell us a bit about your background, where you grew up, where you spent some of your time, all this.
1: Well, let's put it this way. (laughs) My background. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, naturally, like, uh, like a lot of other people, and I was able to get out of Brooklyn at an early age. Early on in my career, while going through college, I worked as a lifeguard for the city of New York. I did that for five years. And uh and then I reached a point, I got married at that point, still with the same lady for, for 64 years now, 64 years. Can you imagine, some people don't even live that long. And we've been married 64 years. Next year we'll be 65. And uh, wow, what a ride it's been. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I couldn't work as a lifeguard all my life. My wife said to me back then, she said, you have to get a real job. (laughs) So with my math background from school, I studied for the actuarial exams and was able to pass them eventually and became an actuary. Had my own actuarial consulting company for a number of years. My daughter now runs that company. And then at that point, I said, hey, I'm going to do some of the things I always wanted to do but never did, because it wasn't the way to do things. You had to be conservative. You had to take the normal approach. Don't go off on the deep end. But at that point, it was my, ter- my turn to do what I had always wanted to do but just never had the, <laughs> the courage to do. So, hey, I became a cop, Okay. Put in twenty three years with the LA Sheriff's Department. Most of that time working as a detective with child abuse, and that was a, that was a hell of a ride. Well, I got to tell you something. Wow, unbelievable! I could tell you stories about that. It'll keep you and trans for hours and hours. And then I also decided, hey, let me see if I could write a book. So, wow, hey. I'm going to write some books, so I wrote one book and a second and a third, and now this one, The Dogs of Brownsville, I think is my best, and like I said, it's uh, basically uh, a true story, maybe not in, in, in that sequence of events, but like I said, everything in the book happened to different people that I know or knew of or heard about. So whatever is in there, you can actually research and Google it and say, hey, wait a minute, there's the real event that he incorporated into this novel. So that's roughly a, a quick capsule of what I've done. I could bore you with more details like when I was with the Sheriff's Department. That was a, oh, that, that was unbelievable. And I have to tell you about when I was going through the Academy. This is nothing okay. else.
0: Tell us all about the
1: hardest thing for me to do was to get over the six foot wall. And I was only about five feet four at the time. I've shrunk a little since. Get I've gotten older. But that was the hardest thing for me to do. Get over a six foot wall, be able to jump up and climb up with no steps and nothing to grab onto except the top of the wall and get over it. To me that was the hardest thing and once I did it, wow, everything else then was downhill. The classwork wasn't too bad. That was easy. The physical part was rather difficult because of my age. I was the oldest one to have graduated from the L.A. Sheriff's Department. I think it's still a record. I'm the oldest one to have graduated. Okay. Wow. At, 50, at 56, I was the, only, the oldest one to have graduated. And I think I still hold that record. Somebody uh, older than me was able to graduate from the uh, LAPD, but he didn't last. Uh, During his training process, he dropped out for whatever reason. But I stuck to it and put in a total of 23 years.
0: Holy smokes.
1: Yeah, (laughs) holy smoke is right. Anyway, like I said, the toughest thing for me to do was to climb over that six-foot wall. But I remember the day that I did it, I was so happy. And it felt like every bone in my body was broken because of the rest of the physical aspects of the, uh, what they call the PAT, Physical Aptitude Test. But I was so happy, I didn't care about my bones creaking and hurting and everything else. I made it, and that was it. That was very important for me.
0: Fantastic. It's Stan Weisleda. He's with us today in our broadcast. Yeah. The Dogs of Brownsville. And he's with us today here on our big broadcast. So let's get back to the book here, The Dogs of Brownsville. Uh, any any, any uh, details on the writing process, putting this book together, all that?
1: Well, okay, yeah. It, it, it was an idea of mine for you. And then I sat down one day, we were in Florida, and I said, you know what, let me see if I could put together an outline. Because when you write a book, you must have a good outline. If you don't have a good outline, you're going to meander about and just take you years to get around and go in circles and circles. But if you have a good outline, you stick to it. So I sat down and wrote out a 50-page outline, roughly one page per chapter. And I had this outline, and I went over it umpteen times until I felt it was right. And then one day I said, okay, now let me see if I can write the damn thing. So, again, I'll tell anybody who's out there listening, if you have a good outline, the book will generally sort of kind of write itself. Once you start it, it will go, and the characters take on a life of their own. And sometimes you think it's going to go one way, and you get a few chapters down, and it starts to go in a different direction just by itself by what happens and then once you get done you're not done <laughs> then you first have to proof it so many times you lose count and then another thing I will tell anyone who wants to write a book have it professionally edited now some people said well I don't have to do that what I wrote is good Baloney, what you wrote is garbage. You read a <laughs> That's editor. awesome. You know, what you crazy. wrote is you know,
0: garbage. You know, you
1: garbage. Yeah, you know, everybody writes something <laughs> down and they think that you're going to get a Pulitzer Prize or the Nobel Prize or some prize. You know what? It's, it's junk until you have a it's professional junk. person review it. They had the Dosser Brownsville professionally edited twice once for grammar and punctuation and English and then once for story content and continuity. You have to do that because otherwise, you know, you think you're writing something and I have to tell you, the writing process works like this. You could write something and you could say to yourself, Wow, this is great. This is incredible. Baloney. Put it down, let it percolate a bit, go away you Let it sit for a few weeks, maybe five, four, five, six weeks, come back, and then reread it, and you will be surprised that you will say to yourself, did I write this garbage? This is crapola, and that's the writing process. You're redoing it. you spend more time rewriting than writing, and this is a fact, because once you put it down the first time, it's really no good, Okay. It has to be edited and checked and proofed and everything. I hear a beeping. Is something beeping on this phone? No,
0: no. It, uh, no someone's
1: trying to get through to me. Let some, them wait.
0: Somebody's trying to get through to you. It's Stan Wisely no, to the Dogs of Brownsville. It. He's with us today he here on a big broadcast. And uh, So what got you interested in writing this book?
1: Well, because I kind of lived it. <laughs> I don't want to put it down. And I thought it was a story that people should know. Uh, people should know what really happened and why and how. You know, they know bits and pieces. Oh, yeah, I know about that. That happened. Oh, yeah, I know about this. I read about that. But my job was to tie all of these loose ends together, make them into a cohesive story from beginning to end. Little incidents or anecdotes by themselves mean nothing. The idea is to weave them into a story that makes sense. Now, a couple of people that have uh, read the uh version, you know, while in the editing process, <laughs> unless they're blowing smoke up my you-know-what, they've actually <laughs> said to me, they couldn't put it down until they finished it. Now, to me, that's the biggest later. compliment.
0: You're great, So anyway... That's about it. What else would you like to know? <laughs> so, so what, else, what? What about other books you've written? You've you, you've written a, a Killer of Lions, which is all about the famous the Killer of Lions, the yeah, Tuskegee Airmen.
1: Book. Tell us about, about it. The Killer of Lions is about the Tuskegee Airmen of World War II. Again, a lot of people, when I first started to write this book, they never knew about the Tuskegee pilots. They never knew. They never heard about them. And so I tell people in the introduction, and uh, right now, (laughs) don't tell anyone except your million listeners out there. Uh, I'm already trying to do that into a screenplay version, The Killer of Lions. And I start start off the following manner. In the last century, there were two experiments conducted at Tuskegee Institute in Tuskegee, Alabama. The first of these experiments dealt with the administration of the syphilis virus to indigent black people and to gauge the effect on them. That's true, okay? And then I go on to say this story is about the second of those experiments. And that's where we get into the story, A Killer of Lions, because it was an experiment. Not like the first one in Tuskegee, but this one was taking into account that these are guys that wanted to fight and die for their country, and they had to prove that they could do it. And then the way it started out, there was such segregation back then, you know, people complain about discrimination now. They have no idea what it was like back then because I remember World War II very distinctly, and there was a lot of segregation. Because so I lived in Baltimore. That was like just like near the Mason-Dixon line, and segregation there was unbelievable. You know, I grew up in New York, but I lived in Baltimore because that's where my father worked in the shipyards during World War II. Anyway, they gave these guys a chance, and they set them up as fighter squadron pilots, not bomber pilots, because as a fighter, they could still maintain segregation, because they're by themselves, still segregated. And they had a hard time proving that they could do what they, you know, what they were trained for. They had to practically beg to be sent into combat. And they didn't get their first chance at combat until Anzio in Italy. Back at that time, Anz- at Anzio, our troops were being clobbered, actually slaughtered. So every available Air Corps unit within the Mediterranean area was called in to help, including the 99th Fighter Squadron which was the first squadron of black fighter pilots, and they proved themselves so able during the next two weeks, they were equal to any white fighter squadron at that time. Not better, equal to. And as a result of what they did during the NCO battle, they were then given assignments (laughs) that before that nobody would trust them. In fact, they were ready to even disband the squadron and assign the pilots to coastal patrol. And then at that time, the new squadrons were coming from the United States. The experiment was successful, so they kept training more, and at that point they shipped out three new squadrons. So they had the 99th, the 100th, 301st and 302nd fighter squadrons, all black guys, okay, all black guys, no white guys, no white officers in charge, only black officers were in charge. And the head man was Benjamin O. Davis Jr. This guy graduated from West Point in 1936, and while he was going to West Point, nobody spoke to him. He was he was the only cadet who had his own room. He was never spoken to unless he was given a direct order. They called it being silenced. That's how bad the segregation was back then. Anyway, in 1936, he graduated, became a fresh second lieutenant, and in 1940, President Roosevelt, FDR, decided, hey, Let's do this experiment. He was getting a lot of pressure from the black press, and the black people wanted to show what they could do. So he said, okay, we'll do this experiment. And they established the 99th, it was originally called Pursuit Squadron, and then they changed it to Fighter Squadron a year later. And they had the first class of 13 people. Eight of them graduated out of 13. One of them, Benjamin O. Davis, Jr., and he was appointed as captain. They promoted him to captain, and they put him in charge of the 99th Fighter Squadron. And then pretty soon after that, he became lieutenant colonel. And then when they had the other three squadrons, they promoted him to full colonel. He wow. eventually died as a general, and unfortunately he died from uh Alzheimer's. But, you know, that, that was totally something else. Yes. But he led his people to victory, and the one thing that he always did, he instilled in his men that they have to be perfect, perfection. He wouldn't accept anything less than perfection. His attitude was... You have to be not only as
0: good as the white man, but better. Absolutely amazing, and Stan Wise, with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast. And Stan, uh, before we let you go, how do we find you online and uh, get your stuff and everything else?
1: Well, we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to have a new website set up for the Dogs of Brownful, Uh That's